Hello, fellow fans. I'm Mark, and unite with me is my co-host, Brian. What up, Brian? Hey, everyone. On our most recent episode, Brian and I narrowed down our 10 favorite movies, which was not very easy at all, so check that out. But on this special episode, Brian and I will be giving a non-spoiler and a very heavily spoiler review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. United We Fan starts now. The truth is, I am Iron Man. I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. What is going on? What are you doing? To infinity and beyond! This is the way. The flux capacitor! Was Star Wars the one with the little wizard boy? Chewie, we're home. Avengers! Assemble. Oh, chills. Literal chills. Yes, we're going to be giving you chills as Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came out the day of the recording of this episode. So we're hoping to give you our reviews quick. But thank you all for uniting with us as we talk about all things fandom. Please give us a rate or review wherever you listen so we can unite with more fans. Brian, are you ready to discuss Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I'm super excited. Let's do it. All right. So, friends, to start off with, this will be the non-spoiler first half. Um, we first, will give you first plenty. One-eighth, probably, honestly. Yeah, it's going to be quick, <laughs> friends. So we'll give you a quick little um, review of what we think. But we will also be those polite people and give you plenty of notice when we're about to spoil all of Quantumania for you. So, uh, Brian, I guess I'll just start off with is this movie in your uh, top half or bottom half? It's so fresh. I don't know where to put it. I know it's not top 10. Certainly it's probably around the middle half. I liked it. I can see why people might not. I can see why it's getting the reviews it's getting, but I liked it. But I can like you believe Mark? We had to wait 60 years for the live action adaptation of Cinderella. We had to wait 25 years for the live-action adaptation of Aladdin. We only had to wait three months for the live-action adaptation of Strange World. Oh, my God. Brian, this is why we co-host together. There were several scenes where I'm going, I've seen Man, that this before. Is, this is like a better Strange World. <laughs> I, I, I did like this movie more than Strange World. I'm going to be honest. I, ho I hope so. That... That movie, oh, don't even get me started. Uh, Turning Red should have gone to theaters. That was Disney and Pixar's and all that's best animated movie of the year. Strange Worlds and Lightyear should have gone to Disney Plus. But um, as far as my thinking, it's not top 10. I enjoyed it. It didn't frustrate or disappoint me. And there wasn't as bad a pacing issues as some recent Marvel movies. So could I watch it again? Yes, absolutely. But, and you know, it's fresh. Things can change. But as of right now, oh, Brian, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I think I have it three out of three uh, in the Ant-Man trilogy. But, but I also, I love all three movies. So that's like when I feel Guardians comes out, ranking those and saying all three are great. So... Um, but as of now, it's number three for me. It didn't feel like an Ant-Man movie from yeah, the standpoint no. of because in Ant-Man one, Ant-Man two, you get a lot of things that are larger than life. He shrinks down in the bathtub, a pigeon pecks at the car. The only real world gag we got 
is in the first five minutes when it comes to Cassie. And I guess I don't, it's not super spoilery, but she, she shrinks something like, let's just, it's in the preview, but Oh, is it? I I honestly didn't remember that from the preview, but honestly, like that's what made it feel not like an Ant-Man film. Uh, I did like how self-contained it was. I liked it. I, again, I can see why the casual viewer may not be in on this. I think if you're buying what Marvel studios is selling, this film is for you. But if you are just coming in and wanting to be entertained and you don't care about who Kang is or what the ultimate outcome of this film is going to be, I can see you not really enjoying it that much. Yeah, when I rewatched the first two movies uh, before this, I thought about how great Ant-Man is because it's a more grounded Marvel movie. Lately, you know, Multiverse of Madness and Thor are just such big, huge spectacles. Black Panther even left kind of its more down to earthish approach from the first one and went very epic on scale. So when I saw the previews for this, I kept thinking, oh man, even Ant-Man's going to go epic. And it, it did. So I think that's one thing I slightly missed from the previous two Ant-Man movies is that Ant-Man was like your friendly neighborhood hero. Sorry, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Neighborhood hero. So I, I kind of missed that aspect. Yeah, but this one still felt more self-contained. Like I, yes. I think a lot of people expected this film to go back to what phase three was, where oh. it was also interconnected and everything going on. Obviously, Kang is going to be interconnected, but this film yeah. still still felt pretty self-contained like an Ant-Man movie typically does. So um, yeah. I think most of what they tried worked again i'm an absolute marvel studios shill so <laughs> i'm absolutely buying what they're selling yeah. was some of it downright silly sure yeah well and we'll get to that with the spoilers um i i enjoyed it um yeah i, I the preview shows you what you're getting you're getting ant-man and the wasp star trek next generation um i felt like at times with this one so but it's good it, out of a two thumbs up system. I would, I would give it one. I could, mm, I could be talked into one and a half. A poor so. guy losing half of a thumb. No, poor Ebert. Oh, <laughs> so, but yes, overall I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, Let's get into talking about the spoilers then, because I don't think there's much more I can say without spoiling something. Yeah, let's do it, friends. Please enjoy the movie. Enjoy it. There's two post-credit scenes, so stay for that. But now we're going to spoil some stuff. So in Earth's Mightiest Weirdos fashion, I like breaking down these films by character, and this actually feels like a good thing to do for this movie as well. Um, So let's start with the most important character who didn't have any screen time whatsoever, and his name is Luis. What gives? So, listeners, when Brian messaged me, um, probably fresh out of the movie. It was was dang fresh. Yeah. My first, my first, uh, or my response was uh, justice for Luis. Um, I, Marvel has done fan service quite a bit and sometimes it works. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes I I roll the heck out of it. 
I think they could have given us some fan service. There's definitely a way you could have had Luis in this movie. Would it have been a little forced? Yeah, but who cares? It's Luis. So he was missed. I think he could have been in there in the beginning. Yeah, it, I'm I'm surprised he never showed up. Like he wasn't in the trailer. We knew he obviously wasn't going to be in it. I still think it's a missed opportunity. They didn't even, put him even in the at suit. The end. They didn't even he, put him in a suit in Ant Man Two, which they should have. But like he could have shown up to the birthday non birthday like thing. Yeah, I know is a a family thing. But come on, Luis has been around. Luis's family, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so, Vin Diesel. So, yeah, justice for Luis. We needed to mention it. We missed him. He was sorely missed. Something else sorely missed in this film is we talked about it not feeling like an Ant-Man film comparatively. There were some jokes in there, but this film was a little more self-righteous, self-serious. There were some jokes, but I don't know. Like, there were some things that they just reached for that just didn't work. It just didn't feel like an Ant-Man film. Um. Modoc, for example, I think they didn't even try to take that seriously. And there was a lot of jokes, a lot of cheap jokes. Um, I he looked insane. Like, I know. He looked like Modoc is meant for the animated world. I it Brian, let's we're talking Modoc real quick. Uh, I don't I I think there's a lot of Modoc fans that are going to be pissed. And I think they took a very cheap route with him and his story arch. Um, you know, it was kind of funny at the end how he went out with, you're like a brother to me. That was, that was funny. But um, I, I think they, they just gave up even trying to make him a real character. But yeah, yeah. I, I think mo- fans of Modoc are going to not be thrilled. Like I'm, no. I'm fine. He's a, he's a fun villain though. Like it, it's like they did in Iron Man three where they wasted advanced idea mechanics on one film. Like yep. Modoc has such a, a big arc that they could have done that they're I mean they're just not going to do it now. Uh, I I knew. Did you know it was Darren Cross before you went into the film? Uh yeah. The okay. um I think you got a glimpse of his face in the trailer. Yeah, there it was. A little spoiled online, but also I think they Marvel just owned up to it as well. But in my screening, people were shocked. So the baby Bjorn joke, and then the the Modoff, the Modoff, Modoff. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Um, I, I yeah, like I think people are gonna be upset. I'm fine, but I think a lot of people are gonna be upset about Modoff. I don't think it was as wasted as Gore the God Butcher, which wasn't fully wasted, but. Damn, Gore, Gore, the Christian Bale's villain was top five, and they just, man, they they missed that opportunity a little bit. But Modoc, they they didn't even try. <laughs> so he um, he looked like he looked like the from Ant Man one Thomas the Train's face. That's what he looked like. Yeah, they even um, it didn't even look like they just imposed his face there. At times, it even looked slightly a, a computer animated rendering of his face. I, I don't know. It just at times it was off. Yeah. So well, and then I feel like his turn from her being like, "Just don't be a dick." What should I be? I don't know. Just, just don't be a dick. 
Okay, that's all I needed to hear. Ha, huh, I'm a hero now. Okay, that was real easy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. Less yeah. than thrilled less than thrilled with Modoc, even though I loved I com- I completely forgot he was in the film until Bill Murray told me he was in the film, which was I actually thought that that was a lot of fun. Well, let's talk about Ant-Man, Scott Lang, title character. Yeah. I think the Spider-Man joke at the very beginning would have been a lot better if it wasn't in the trailer. Yep. Uh, Dale, the Baskin Robbins, the multiple Baskin Robbins callouts in the movie worked for me every single time, including the Baskin Robbins version of Scott Lang in the multiplication world. Um, but we talk about Scott Lang. We love Paul Rudd. We're going to be doing a Paul Rudd episode very, very soon. Again, this didn't have as much humor as it does. Paul Rudd always is going to have some humor, but what about the character of Scott Lang? I really liked the self-reflection that the film ended with of, oh, crap, like maybe we didn't kill him. Maybe this is going to be a real problem. I actually thought that that was the best part of the film from his character standpoint. You know, Paul Rudd, can't wait for that episode. So we can just, you know, remind everybody just how amazing he is. Um, I I loved it. I'm going to get that book since it's an actual book it comes out in september and they do not have an audiobook version yet but i want the audiobook version oh yeah i'll get it baskin robbins worked for me i'm excited for the next or for um convention season to start i'm sure there's gonna be a lot of baskin robbins scott langs um i i will admit i'm kind of slightly getting tired of the um parent child storylines that are just all over um star wars and marvel now um you know i'm not a parent so brian like feel free to tell me if those storylines are great for you because you can relate to it but just keep the names din Djarin and grogu out your mouth and we're okay oh man i love them no no i was thinking of the obi-wan and princess leia like annoyance but anyways yeah, you don't want to um, get me started there either okay um but no, Paul Rudd, I have nothing bad to say about him. His performance, um, when he's getting beaten up, I wish that wasn't shown in the trailers, maybe, so that it, you could have been like, oh my God, is are they going to kill Ant-Man? But I, I didn't really feel like he was in any danger. So did, you think, did you think he was going to die? No. Ever? You I, never thought it? I a, a couple weeks ago, I thought it. But then as we got closer to the film and nobody talking about how Paul Rudd owns the role, like that's just, those are the coded words people use when it's about to come to an end. I I thought he was going to get trapped in the quantum realm. And I thought he was going to stay a, there. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow in a future movie, um, he was going to get out. But um, I... <laughs> I, I loved him reading his book in the bookstore. That was funny. So um, he played the serious parts really well. He always plays a great dad. You know, being a dad himself, I'm sure, made it even easier for him. The action scenes were, I mean, you're going against Jonathan Majors. Like, that's, how do you do that? And he did it really well. So The, the yeah. greatest, see, the greatest line in the movie that nobody in my theater got was she goes, I want a lime. Yeah, citrus, right? Because it was all, does anybody have any orange slices? Like, nobody got the reference in my theater. I was super bummed. There there was a couple, I'm going to call them polite laughs. Like, (laughs) I I thought it was funny. I thought it was hilarious. 
some I for some reason people thought um, the 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 yes the projector is still on from the Dolby commercial was funnier than that and I'm just like I, you oh my god you people I don't get it this is my first time in a while seeing a Marvel movie outside of the state of Florida and Disney cast members it was a very different experience um, uh, but let's talk about he's a dad he's a dad to Cassie we get the introduction of Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang that is not a good sigh. When I saw her in the previews, I her choices, the look and everything, I was like, oh my God, no, this is not the right casting. And it was a recast from Endgame. Uh, yeah. Most people are saying, how is that the same girl? Well, it's not. It's a recast. Which I'm not, I'm not actually upset about them recasting. I feel bad for the actress from Endgame. Um, but, you know, this, this role was very demanding. So they needed an actress. Um, Catherine Newton can act. I thought she was funny in movies like freaky, um, Pikachu. So she can act. I just, I didn't buy it. Um, I now, you know, comic book movies lately have been having a hard time with that age area with, um, God, I, I don't remember his character name. The the annoying kid in Black Adam. Oh my God! Watching that scene where he skateboards around, yeah, with the crowd. Still, I want to throw something through a wall. Um, and then it's different with um, Screamer Runner, Damsel in Distress. They did not write a strong character for her, so it's not like Cassie was. An annoying character. I'm not gonna lie. There was a couple of times where I eye rolled hard when she's talking to Modoc and then um, lecturing her dad and stuff. I, I, it came off just rather annoying to me. So I don't hate her, but I think there could have been a better casting choice. They never dropped the name Stature, which was interesting um, because that's oh. who she's eventually going to be. Right. Um, I was I was not blown away. I didn't dislike her in the role, but there was nothing she did to own the role. Unlike take Kate Bishop, for example, Haley Steinfeld owns that role. Um, And and Florence Pugh owns the role of Yelena Belova. Like there just was no official owning of the role in this film. And it was supposed to do that. I think Um, she's got big shoes big tiny shoes to fill the six-year-old <laughs> Cassie from the first movie. Everybody loves her. Um, I rewatching those movies, Brian, I love her. She's the best. And the actress luckily has a new movie coming out and I hope for nothing but the best for her. She was wonderful as peanut. Yep. She's the best. So, uh, we didn't get many callbacks to either of the other two films. We never saw Paxton. We never saw Cassie's mom. We never saw the ugly, oh my God, yeah. the ugly bunny. Like we didn't see any of that kind of stuff. Like we spent the entire film in the quantum realm for lack for better or worse. Yeah. Um, and when, when she gets out of jail and just right away, it just, it didn't feel like there was great chemistry. And then with this movie, it should have been called Ant-Man and, what's what's her hero name going to be stature ant-man and stature and um uh janet van dyne i feel like there was not much wasp there wasn't much hank who they kept calling henry 
Um, Only Janet, but yeah, that was that was jarring yeah. every time she said it. So they really like even Jonathan Majors, like his screen time suffered a little bit because they really wanted this Michelle Pfeiffer plus father and daughter storyline to be the main focus of it. I felt like. I want to get to Janet soon, but let's talk about the other title character in the wasp. Not enough wasp for you, huh? No, I like Evangeline Lily. They, after freshly watching the first two movies, um, this one, they gave her some, you know, Hey, she became a successful businesswoman. I see her and pepper like hanging out together and all that, like good for her. That was great. And then, all of a sudden, okay, she's giving her mom a hard time. They get zapped in, and the family has a short fight, but they let it go really quickly. And um, I, I, I felt like there was not much meat to her role. And then at the end, we finally get, oh, yeah, this is Ant-Man and the Wasp. But it wasn't until, like, the very end. <laughs> she she saves him and shrinks down the the... Oh, that part, yeah. The battery. The, like, there's a few things um, that... I I call that the Wreck-It, uh, the Wreck-It Ralph scene dude, from the second yeah, movie. totally the Wreck-It Ralph scene. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, I didn't notice until you're bringing it up now, her lack of screen time. Um, I felt like she stepped in when she had to. Um, I did think it was weird how in the very beginning, like, Scott brought a thing of beers and... They both just slap their suits on so they can go to the top of the Golden Gate Bridge to drink their beers. Like, that was weird. Um, I, I didn't know how I felt also about the Tony Stark-inspired suit where it's, hey, we're going to tap our center and suit. Yeah, is know. it in their hand? Like, I couldn't quite figure that out. But Let's just did. I thought she just tapped it on, but then he had to pull it out of his pocket at one point. Yeah. He, yeah. So, um, I honestly didn't notice the lack of her until you bring it up, which means I guess I'm okay with how much she was in the film. A lot of it was, it was a, it was a Michelle Pfeiffer wasp role, which was, yeah. which was interesting. So let's skip Hank for a minute. Let's go straight to Janet. She was I, a main, I, main character. I think honestly, out of the five main characters, she had the least amount of screen time out of the five main characters, meaning hope. Yes. Yeah. Out of, um, uh, Paul Rudd, Michelle her, Pfeiffer. Her and Hank were pretty similar, I feel like. But Hank, I feel like Hank had better lines. He did. Is that Hank, guy made out of broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> he had better lines. He's like, wait, how how friendly were you? Very. Like, like his looks and just, he, he had better lines. Even if you have minimum screen time, I mean. Um, they just let him cuss a lot more. Oh yeah, they did. There, I feel like there was a lot more in this one, but um, yeah. Well, let's talk about Janet then, because they made her a focal point of this film, which really caught me off guard. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think that was the hardest thing for me to buy into. Maybe it's just because I know Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't know anything about any of the rest <laughs> of the MCU. Maybe that's really all that it is. Like. She's reading the script going, I'm supposed to say that. That's weird, but no. okay. But I don't know. Like, I just never saw her as like an, a legitimate threat, which I guess if you're watching The Last of Us, you can kind of see that resemblance to 
the lady in the last episode, but not a legitimate threat. But I don't know. Like the Bill Murray thing I thought was actually really fun. Yeah. Uh, I liked his character. The fact that they drink the blob or drink the ooze, they can now understand everybody. Like, I thought that was funny. Like, yep. she played off knowing the world of, of the quantum realm really well, and everybody remembered her, but I could never buy into her being this figurehead that she was. I, little, little Mark had a huge crush. Oh, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catwoman. Selena Kyle specifically, I'm assuming. Uh, you know what? No, no, no. Michelle Pfeiffer. I had a, I had a celebrity crush on her. She might have been my second celebrity crush. Um, but in this movie, she is still beautiful. Um, and I thought her scenes between Jonathan Majors and her, the harder scenes, she shows that she can act. But then her scenes with Bill Murray and Michael Douglas, where the banter and humor hit for me, especially when her Michael Douglas was like, look, I I have needs. It's been 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, I, I, I loved her in this. I'm glad they gave her more screen time. She nailed it. Um, You could see the fear on her face when they're like, what do you mean sending a signal to the quantum realm? Like I, I loved her. I'm glad they gave her more screen time. Good, good. Yeah. So that, that's where we, that's a big, uh, difference in opinion between the two of us so i'm glad i'm glad that, that worked for you just thinking about her and bill murray as a couple for for a <laughs> while does bring a smile to my face yeah i mean uh could they have shown how epic she was during her time there yeah but here's the thing i'm glad we didn't waste time with it you got the idea from how she <laughs> met up with that traveling gang and um just everybody when they knew her name so i think the point came across we didn't need to waste time plus the movie is already over two hours and some of the other characters didn't get much screen time so i'm okay with how she was developed yeah the 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 one flashback we got of her time was her helping kang basically rebuild his rebuild his ship which was obviously the most important flashback we could have gotten she played off of him really well that was her best role in the film was was retelling that story so i enjoyed that what about hank pym it's michael douglas i mean like so he's like he's like considered cassie's grandpa now like hope and scott aren't married yet are they i i you know like but he's grandpa hank grandpa figure yeah i fair enough he was he was good um i I hope he was okay with kind of taking a more backseat role. But then again, what else did we really need um, from him in this one? But then as the battle went on, you saw that nope, Hank, Hank Pym can still uh, be valuable <laughs> with the ants and um, flying around on that very interesting ship. Um, but I, I thought his humor I was very excited to see the scenes. Well, I didn't know, but I was glad we the scenes involved him and Bill Murray because you never thought about, man, how would Michael Douglas and Bill Murray act together? <laughs> and it it was uh, it was some fun banter over uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. That little thing that Hank makes giant to eat Bill Murray, the thing that oh, was in the glass. On. That thing was that thing was adorable, and I loved it. Yep. Um, 
I'm glad that happened. I'm glad um, Bill's Mur- Bill Murray's character was just that, nice and short. Um, I know Michael Douglas said in an interview, if there is a fourth Ant-Man or if they bring him back, he wants to, um, you know, wants it to be the end of Hank. So I think Michael Douglas has one more left in him and then that's it. Did you, did you think this could have been the end of Hank? Did that ever cross your mind? Cause this was the end of nobody. I, I thought, I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was going to be the one to go as a way to try to redeem herself for um, helping Kang. Yeah. Um, I'm glad she didn't, but I, I thought it, I would have put money on her. We keep saying Bill Murray. It's Lord Krylar. Those are the dangers you run into of recording the day the movie comes out where we've only had a chance to see it once to react to it. Um, we have ignored him almost as long as the first part of the film ignored him. Kang the Ooh. Conqueror. We it took uh, forty five minutes before we ever saw him, except for that opening scene. Jonathan Majors is a force as an actor. God, he's so um, good, man. I I don't I don't know how he can he'll get it, but please somehow make this man an EGOT winner, like in his lifetime. Um, he is brilliant. His performances between this and Loki. And then the um, big spoiler alert, the credit scenes, um, you just see the versatility of him. I need to watch Lovecraft Country with him in it. Um, Devotion, highly recommend that movie he did recently. Um, Creed, Creed 3, 3 has come out. I'm so excited for Creed 3. But I wish they um, would brand that film as Killmonger versus Kang. <laughs> uh, I mean, the fan posters are out there. But yeah, uh Kane the Conqueror, his character was brilliant. There's something Shakespearean about him. I think he could have gotten a little more um, screen time instead of um, just, you know, you got like him in the beginning and then the prison scenes. Oh my God. When he's torturing like Scott and um, Cassie. Oh my God. You just, you see that. Uh, well, and he throws Modoc up is. against the wall too. Yep. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. When he's like, you don't talk in my presence or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, Jonathan majors. I'm glad Loki wasn't a one-off. I'm glad Ant-Man wasn't a second off. I'm glad we will be seeing, uh, much more of him to come in many ways. The council of Kangs and seeing him as Rama Tut and just <laughs> all the different versions of the thousands of versions of Jonathan majors that are coming in the Kang dynasties Avengers film or whatever else he's going to show up in. He's, I think he's going to be a character, at least multiple episodes, a reprisal or something in Loki. Uh, that second one, like Victor timely is he's got a time machine in the 1800s. I guess I, I don't know who Victor timely is, but Loki and Mobius hanging out in the crowd. And it does seem like it's the Mobius that really doesn't know Loki that well that we saw at the end of season Mm -hmm. one, instead of the one we got to know the best, but like I'm excited for Loki. I hope Jonathan majors actually plays a fairly significant role in that series. Um, he's just so good. Like when I saw Rama tut, I'm like, Oh yes. Like this is amazing. Like the council of Kangs is so deep and so cool. And seeing them all show up in that, like, 
it's the future of that character. Jonathan Majors showed what he could do as one character in this film. We saw what he can do as he who remains in Loki. And now we get to see this is why this actor plays this role because he can be 50 different people and he can give his own spin on anything. And he's incredible, man. He's so, he was so good. And this film was, was serving the intro, the purpose of introducing Kang to the common audience. And it worked. I, that first, um, credit scene with him showing all the characters made me so happy because we're going to get to see more of him. And I just, like I said, I love him as an actor. So seeing all those characters, I'm not familiar with Kang and the Legion of Kang. So it's great to see all those different ones. Um, but I think also either that second post credit scene with Loki and Morbius. Um, Mobius, not Morbius. He's not there yet. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Mobius um, is, um, Oh God, Morbius. Um, is morbid my time. crowd went wild everybody, for that. Everybody loves Loki, man. So that's just it. Was here's the thing that I think that might have gotten the I hate to say it, possibly the biggest reaction from the crowd during the movie. And is that saying more about the movie or more about Loki? Can the answer be yes? I, th- yeah, I think it's but, a little bit of both. There was nothing cheerworthy in this film. There really wasn't. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not um, Endgame or No Way Home, but there was. I, I, but that's also slightly disappointing that there wasn't really the. Honestly, the Loki scene might be second to everyone's laughter reactions to Modok. That got a. I, you would think we were watching a big comedy. <laughs> yeah, and the film kept pointing it out. Um, overall fantastic introduction to the character of Kang, even though we'd already been introduced and gotten at least some diatribe, the way they spent the time of Janet telling her backstory of helping him and then, uh, like learning more about him. And he's actually a very nice person to Janet for a while. And then she sees who he is. And those snippets that we see of him conquering worlds and killing trillions of people, as she put, like, man, just the way he flipped on a dime, that was some of the best exposition we've gotten in a long time where they tell that story of what that chair can do. And just Jonathan Majors watching him act, I could do it forever and ever and ever. And Lovecraft Country, honestly, like, that show lost me. Because just every episode is so different and it's just not my genre, but I love him so much. I just might need to go back and finish. I've only got like three or four left, but um, overall fantastic introduction to Kang, which is the reason this film exists. Um, Cassie being part of the young Avengers, it's probably going to happen. So just wrap your head around it. It just is what it is. But Scott lives to shrink another day. Uh, any quick thoughts on Bill Murray? He did Bill Murray things. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Uh, it it was it was good. I liked him. Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm glad the character was short but sweet. I've been I've been so focused on work and stuff like that that I I didn't have a lot of time to anticipate this film. So I kind of forgot about him. I kind of forgot about Modok. I knew about both of them, but I just didn't really think about it until. 
they were on my screen, which was actually a nice change of pace for me. Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Katie M. O'Brien, who plays Gentora, Gentora, the the gladiator mm-hmm. freedom fighter. Um, I, I actually thought her character was pretty badass. <laughs> Let's talk about William Jackson Harper. My choice. Are for... you just going to ignore my shout out? I know you want to talk about him, but you don't have any thoughts on her. Uh, I thought she was fine. That's it. Yeah. Like she didn't move the needle for me. Whoa. All right. Fine. Let's go. Oh, to your I uh, double hit the button there. Um, <laughs> but then I panicked. Yeah. Well, I panicked, but then I handled it. Love that. No, she, she was good. She didn't really move the needle for me, but I didn't hate her. Didn't love her. It is what it is. The miniature you- Kool-Aid man. I, I loved, I don't know whose voice that was. Um, I don't honestly know the character's names, but him talking about holes and then when they're like, he has seven holes and every single person in the audience is going, okay, one, two, three. Yep. 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 I heard people counting. Yep. And then I just heard Monica going seven, seven. Oh, check out our friends episode. Um, (laughs) Brian, would you, you know, would you maybe uh, do some recasting of certain Mandalorian characters with uh, Katie M. O'Brien? Sure. You'd be okay with that recasting? I just write the character out of the show for me, but if we're oh. gonna if we're gonna keep the character going, then she then she would be she'd be good in the role. Um, I, I I don't know. It's just that character, just that entire group of characters didn't really move the needle for me, except for the Kool Aid oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, no, they were they were fun. I was really hoping. Please don't try to do uh, like a Thor Ragnarok, where you kind of have those band of misfits. I was really hoping they weren't gonna try and do that. So. But let's talk about that other band of misfit was William Jackson Harper's character of what was his name? It was Quaz. Quaz. Quaz, Quaz, Quaz. I wanted him to be Reed Richards. I wanted him to be Mr. Fantastic. And we're talking multiverse, so maybe we can still have it, but it's not going to happen. He was fun. Like, he was super fun. I like him. I wish we had gotten a little bit more of him. Obviously, the best line that worked was when they were like, give me the bridge code. And he's like, I'll die first. And then he just gets it out of his brain anyway. Like, that was hilarious. But William Jackson Harper, I thought, did a good job in the role. I wish we had gotten more of him, even though I didn't want more of the Freedom Fighters. So if there was a way to pull off both, that's what I would have wanted. Yep. And of course, we get uh, the was- Dunkirk moment where everybody shows up right at the right time. Yeah, right. Um, he was good in the part. Um, stop thinking it. Okay. Stop thinking. Oh, that was that was funny. Um, I'm glad those jokes didn't get run into the ground. Um, I know you wanted him to be Reed Richards, but I'm not going to lie. After watching him in this movie, I don't think he could have carried such a big role. Um, so plus, cause I, I was thinking about it going. He would have to be on the level of like a Jonathan Majors, which who is on that same level, but Reed Richards, the character is, and I just, I don't think he could get to that level, but. Well, and technically they're family because Kang is Nathaniel Richards. He's a descendant of Reed Richards, which is a whole nother wormhole that we can go down. Um, Okay. I feel like we're, I I feel like I'm going to start counting how many times you say family just so I can mentally prepare for our fast and furious episode. We're never doing that episode. Um, but no, like <laughs> he struggled with the same thing that John Krasinski struggled with as Reed Richards of, Hey, that's uh, Jim Halpert. Like it was, that's Chidi yeah. Anagonye. Like that's, that's yeah. all I could really think of. 
again, I forgot he was in the film, but I liked him. I like that actor. So uh, overall, oh, if Brian, I got a hot take. You just brought up Jim. I got a hot take. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Uh, I am. I know we did an Office episode. I'm currently rewatching The Office, and that show does not age well. Um, I definitely love Parks and Rec more. Wrong. Um, there's a lot of cringiness about The Office now that I'm watching it, and a lot of jokes are falling flat in the earlier seasons. I'm only on season three, but oh, man, The Office, if they tried to make it nowadays, would have to change a lot. So, yeah, meh. No, not me. Yeah, me. Parks and Rec better. Good chow. Um, check out our office episode. Check out our Parks and Rec episode. Uh, but overall, if I have to rate it out of ten, I am gonna go. Let's compare it to last year's films. Wakanda okay. Forever, Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh, we're multi- gonna rank them or no? Multiverse of Madness. Just where when you compare it to those, where would you, where would you put it? I. I th- I would say I enjoyed it about as much as I did Love and Thunder, maybe a little bit more. I think I'd go a seven out of ten. Um, Quantumania didn't annoy me as anywhere near as much as Multiverse of Madness. It didn't frustrate me as much as Thor: Love and Thunder, and the pacing issues weren't a problem like they were with black panther wakanda forever um i i think i see me i don't know i i think they're all really enjoyable um i i think all four of them are between like six to seven range three of the four are enjoyable multiverse of madness is hot garbage I don't I I don't know how Brian but I keep watching it here and there. I don't oh, know how. I dude I I, don't know I have not seen it all the way through since the second time on opening night. I hate that movie. Um Black Panther Wakanda Forever is on Disney Plus as is all of them. Um I only watched it once in theaters and it came out on Disney Plus. I did watch it again. Um Oh my god. Uh it's it's going to win best supporting actress. It needs to win, but there's some pacing and character development and visual effects issues with that movie. I enjoy it a little bit more than when I saw it in theaters. Cause I was, I, you know, I walked away disappointed. So this movie, I didn't walk away disappointed. I walked away going, all right. I do think guardians three is going to be better. And I do oh my think, God, yeah. and I don't know what we're getting from the Marvels, but I do expect that to be, a little yeah. bit better as well, but we have our Thanos level villain and he's yep. here to stay. And I love bigger. Him. Uh, Brian, do you have any thoughts on the recent breaking news that Marvel is going to go for quantity or sorry, quality over quantity and scale back its shows? I'm not surprised. Um, it, it makes sense if that's what the data is telling them. Um, Quantum mania is not going to be a billion dollar film. No. Um, because nope. I think, I think, um, I think Marvel fatigue is, it's not real for me, but it's real for a lot of people. Uh, yep. so it makes sense. I, in my opinion, I thought the entire concept was have Star Wars or Marvel overlap. So people have to stay subscribed month to month. 
if they think people are going to stay subscribed without new content from one of those two IPs, then more power, more power to them. Obviously, I would love to be selfish and say, give me as much as you possibly can. Give me another season of Moon Knight. Give me, give me, give me. But if we're only getting Secret Invasion and Loki this year on Disney Plus from Marvel standpoint, I'll take what they give me. But I, I, it doesn't surprise me, but I would love to keep going at the pace we're at. But if all we're going to do is complain that CGI doesn't look good, blah, blah, blah. And if we can focus on that and give the VFX people the rest that they need and the time that they need to develop these projects, that's also a good thing. I agree. Uh, Pixar is kind of going through that issue right now where their quality has started to go down over quantity. But speaking of visual effects, I, I got really irritated when Cassie was running smaller version of her. It looked weird at first. And then I already brought up that Modoc his face looked animated at times. So I, overall there was a lot of beautiful CGI, but uh, it had its issues. There was one, there was one when I really noticed, I was like, this was definitely on a blue screen. And it was when Scott and Cassie were at that village after they drank the ooze and then it was getting attacked and they kept yep. holding hands and running around. That was where I'm like, this is super blue screen. But yeah. beyond that, it, I mean, it is what it is. The entire film was was super, super weird. I think Loki and Secret Invasion are going to be good stuff. So I, I think the future is still bright for Marvel. God, I really hope we get another um, werewolf by night like every other Halloween. I would love for that to happen. I love it. Well, to give we've gone a little bit further than we expected yeah. at this time yep. but to, to put one last bow on this to give people an, an idea of what Marvel's doing in the future. This is going to fit into the, the, the really the Avengers are splitting into two different storylines. We've got Quantumania and Kang is going to play into this storyline, the multiverse stuff. And then um, Secret Invasion uh, and then Loki's going to play into the multiverse stuff. Then we're going to have the other side of the coin where it's going to be secret invasion, probably the Marvels with sword and the scrolls and all that kind of stuff. And that's playing toward the secret wars uh, side of the Avengers storyline. So we really are going to be kind of going in two different routes. We're going to have two different Avengers teams. The question is where does somebody like Shang-Chi fit? If rumors are to be trusted, the next Shang-Chi film is called the wreckage of time, which really Makes you think that that's going to play to the Kang, the multiverse side of things. But Carol Danvers, uh, Nick Fury, all those guys, they're going to be going more toward the Secret Wars uh, storyline where that's where it feels like Kate Bishop and, and Yelena and all those kinds of people are going to play in. But as we're looking at Marvel as a whole, how do you have two Avengers films that close together again? It's because you're going to have two different rosters. You're going to have the Secret Wars roster and you're going to have the Kang Dynasty roster. The future is bright for Marvel. It is. Well, that concludes this review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We thank you, fellow fans, for uniting with us. For those listeners who want to get in touch with the show, please do so. Brian, tell our listeners how they can message the show and stay up to date on everything UWF. You can find us on Facebook at United We Fan the Podcast, or you can find us on Instagram at United We Fan underscore podcast. Yeah, check us out on there. Give us some likes. And Brian, we got fun stuff coming up with, you know, Oscars, Paul Rudd. So it's going to be an exciting future for Marvel and us, I think. Stay tuned. Yep. Till we unite again, fans, always remember, Baskin Robbins always finds out. I was at a wine tasting with my cousin Ernesto. 
It was mainly reds, and you know I don't like reds, man. You know, but there was a rosé that saved the day. It was delightful. Does anyone have any orange slices?